It's Sunday, May the 2nd, and we want to welcome you to the Winkler Berktaller Mennonite Church service. And we are excited that you have joined us to worship the Lord together. We pray that you will experience God's presence as he speaks to you through his word and in the songs that we sing together. This morning, as we continue with part four of the message series entitled, The Seven Claims of Jesus to Be the Great I Am, this morning's message is entitled, Jesus, the Resurrection and the Life, found in John chapter 11, verses 1 through 44.
Welcome to our service. Thank you for joining us. As many of you already know, there were some changes made to our restrictions regarding COVID this past week. And so uh, now we are only allowed up to a maximum of 10 people in our worship services. So as a result, uh, we will suspend our in-service or in-person worship services for the next four Sundays. And we will continue to record our services and have them available for viewing online and also on TV. And so we're really thankful that we have that capability to do that. So again, for the next four Sundays, uh, we won't have in-person services. If you have your bulletins handy, uh, you can take them, uh, look on page two. We have some information there regarding Peter and Rita Friesen. They're uh, going through some health difficulties right now. So there's some information for, for you to read there, and let's pray for them. Our missionaries of the week are K and K, and um, I'll ask you to read the rest of the, uh, go through the rest of the bulletin on your own. For an opening scripture, I'd like to read from Psalm 8. Psalm 8 is one of David's psalms. O Lord, our Lord, How majestic is your name in all the earth. You have set your glory above the heavens. From the lips of children and infants you have ordained praise. Because of your enemies to silence the foe and the avenger. When I consider your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have set in place, what is man that you are mindful of him, the son of man, that you care for him. You made him a little lower than the heavenly beings and crowned him with glory and honor. You made him ruler over the works of your hands. You put everything under his feet, all flocks and herds and the beasts of the field, the birds of the air and the fish of the sea, all that swim the paths of the seas. O Lord, our Lord, How majestic is your name in all the earth. Would you pray with me? Our Father in heaven, how majestic is your name in all the earth. You are worthy of our praise. Father, when we consider your creation, 
we are in awe. Our minds can't begin to comprehend the vastness of your creation, nor the minute details that are part of your creation. Lord, you know each one of us. You know our joys and our sorrows. You know what we are thinking. You know the words that we will say even before we speak them. You are God of grace and mercy. We thank you for Jesus and for the assurance we have that our sins are forgiven because of what he did for us on the cross. And Lord, we thank you for the gift of eternal life. Thank you that nothing that we do will change your love for us. It's always the same. Father, thank you for your goodness and your faithfulness. We ask for your healing hand on those who are dealing with health concerns. You know who they are, and you know their needs. And Lord, we ask that you would meet those needs. We pray for Peter and Rita Friesen and ask that you would help them through this difficult time. May they experience your healing, your presence, and your peace. We pray for wisdom for our leaders in government as they continue to give us direction during this pandemic. We pray for our missionaries, Kay and Kay and their family. Father, we pray that you would bless the relationships that they have been building as they settle into their new city, and that as a result, people would come to know you. We ask also that you would keep Kay and Kay and their children safe, keep them from harm, that you would keep them in good health. Lord, we thank you for our church, and we look to you for guidance as we seek to be faithful to you. And as Pastor Dean brings the message today, Father, open our hearts to hear what you have to say through him. We thank you for material blessings. And as we give our offerings, we pray that they would be used to further your work. Lord, we have come to worship you. We welcome your presence, and we pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. to the Lord all the earth let us see 
mountains bow down and the seas will roar at the sound of your name. I sing for joy at the work of your hands. Forever I'll love you, forever I'll stand. Nothing compares to the promise I have in you. Thank you. 
Boys and girls, it's uh, good to be with you again, and I hope you've had a wonderful week. Today's story is about a young boy who finds out that he can treat others according to the lessons he would learn if Jesus really did come to his house. So, if Jesus came to your house, would he be your age and height? How would you treat him? Would you let him play with your nicest toys? And let him have a longer turn on your swing or rocking horse? Let's read and find out what the boy learns in this story. If Jesus Came to My House by Joan Thomas If Jesus came to my house and knocked upon the door, I'm sure I'd be more happy than I'd ever been before. If Jesus came to my house, I'd like him best to be about the age that I am and about the height of me. I'd run downstairs to meet him, the door I'd open wide, and I would say to Jesus, Oh, won't you come inside? I'd offer him my rocking chair, it's such a comfy seat, and at the pleasant fireplace he'd warm his little feet. My kitten and my puppy dog would sit beside his chair, and they would be as pleased as I at seeing Jesus there. Then I would put the kettle on to make a cup of tea, and we would be as happy and as friendly as can be. I'd show him all the places that are nicest in the house, the hole behind the stairs where I pretend that I'm a mouse. The little window up above where I can stand and see the people passing down below, and yet they can't see me. And then I think I'd show him the corner in the hall, where I'm sometimes rather frightened by the shadows on the wall. I always have to hurry when I'm going past at night, but hand in hand with Jesus, I'd be perfectly all right. I'd show him round the garden and ask him please to bless the seeds that I have planted, the peas and watercress. And if the flowers I'd planted were blooming on that day, I'd pick a bunch of all the best for him to take away. Then while he held the basket, I would gather two or three of the ripest rosy apples from my special apple tree. 
and all the little birds would come and twitter up above for joy at seeing Jesus in the garden that they love. And then we'd play with all my toys, my nicest toys, of course, and he would have the longest ride upon my rocking horse. And with my bricks, I'd build for him a palace of his own, and he would be the little king and sit upon the throne. When we were done, we'd stack the toys all neatly on the shelf. But first I'd let him choose the best and keep them for himself. And when at last the day was done and shadows crossed the sky, I'd see him to the garden gate, and there we'd say goodbye. And he'd perhaps say, thank you for a lovely afternoon. And I would say, I do so hope you'll come back very soon. And then he'd smile and wave goodbye, and so would end our day. But all the house would seem to smile, because he'd been our way. I know the little Jesus can never call on me in the way that I've imagined, like coming in to tea. But I can go to his house and kneel and say a prayer, and I can sing and worship him and talk with him in there. And though he may not occupy my cozy rocking chair, a lot of other people would be happy sitting there. And I can make him welcome, as he himself has said, by doing all I would for him, for other folks instead. And though the house is dark at night, with shadows on the wall, I never need to be frightened when I'm going through the hall. Although I cannot see him, I still can feel him near, to understand and hold my hand and drive away my fear. The flowers in my garden he may not pick himself, but someone else would love them upon his mantel shelf. So if I know of anyone who's old or ill or sad, I'll take them there for Jesus' sake and help to make them glad. I still can share with Jesus the nicest of my toys by lending them or giving them to poorer girls and boys. And though he may not visit me as I have wished he would, Yet even so, he'll bless my house if I am kind and good. We often think of serving others by giving food to them. Here is a plate of food. There is a hot dog, a chocolate chip cookie, and some french fries. That's yummy, right? Well, at the top of the plate, it says, Today I am going to... Well, we can serve others in many different ways. And when we serve others, we are actually serving Jesus too. Let's take out one French fry at a time and find out what it says about how we can serve others. Help my mom and dad with the chores. Pray for someone. Wave to my neighbor. Share my toys. Play nicely with my brother or sister. There's lots of french fries. Make a card for someone. Give flowers to someone. Forgive if someone hurts you or says mean things to you. Share your talent, like playing uh, music for, for somebody who needs to be cheered up. Call someone to cheer them up.
share my smile. Or you could share a compliment, saying something nice to someone. Hold the door open for someone. Help a student when they're hurt. Oh, we've come to our last French fry. What does it? What does this one say? Play with someone who needs a friend. Now we can see that we can and should treat others and serve others as, as if Jesus really were in our house. Even though Jesus is not physically with us, he is watching how we live and how we treat others. So, boys and girls, let's remember to live for Jesus by doing what he would want us to do. Matthew 25, verse 40 says, Truly I tell you, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters, you did for me. Matthew 25, verse 40. Let's pray. Dear Jesus, thank you that you love us and that you desire us to follow you. Help us to remember to live our lives for you, Jesus. Help us to think about others around us and how we can help and serve them, knowing that when we do, we are serving you. Amen. Scripture reading today is taken from John chapter 11, verses 1 to 28. That's 11 verses 1 to 28. Now a man named Lazarus was sick. He was from Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. This Mary, whose brother Lazarus now lay sick, was the same one who poured perfume on the Lord and wiped his feet with her hair. So the sisters went sent word to Jesus, Lord, the one you love is sick. When he heard this, Jesus said, This sickness will not end in death. No, it is for God's glory, so that God's Son may be glorified through it. Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. Yet when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed with where he was two more days. Then he said to his disciples, Let us go back to Judea. But Rabbi, they said, A short while ago the Jews tried to stone you, and yet you are going back there? Jesus answered, Are there not twelve hours of daylight? A man who walks by day will not stumble, for he sees by this world's light. It is when he walks by night that he stumbles, for he has no light. After he had said this, he went on to tell them, Our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I am going there to wake him up. His disciples replied, Lord, if he sleeps, he will get better. Jesus had been speaking of his death, but his disciples thought he meant natural sleep. So then he told them plainly, Lazarus is dead, and for your sake I am glad I was not there, so that you may believe, but let us go to him. Then Thomas, called Didymus, said to the rest of the disciples, Let us also go, that we may die with him. On his arrival, Jesus found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. Bethany was less than two miles from Jerusalem, and many Jews had come to Martha and Mary to comfort them in the loss of their brother. When Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went out to meet him, but Mary stayed at home. Lord, Martha said to Jesus, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But I know that even now God will give you whatever you ask. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha answered, I know he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live, even though he dies, and whoever lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? 
Yes, Lord, she told him, I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, who was to come into the world. And after she had said this, she went back and called her sister Mary aside. The teacher is here, she said, and is asking for you. Thus far the reading. A number of years ago, our daily bread carried this story. The renowned artist Paul Gustav Dore, who lived from 1821 to 1883, lost his passport while traveling Europe. And when he came to a border crossing, he explained his predicament to one of the guards. And giving his name to the official, Dore hoped that he would be recognized and allowed to pass. The guard, however, said that many people attempted to cross the border by claiming to be the person they were not. Dore insisted that he was the man who he claimed to be. All right, said the official, we'll give you a test. And if you pass it, will allow you to go through. Handing him a pencil and a sheet of paper, he told the artist to sketch several peasants standing nearby. And Dor did it, and he did it so quickly and skillfully that the guard was convinced he was who he claimed to be. His work, comple- com- uh, his work confirmed his word, close quote. You know, in the same way, Jesus' miracle confirmed that he was God. As Jesus proclaimed the gospel through his preaching and teaching, he continually performed miracles that vindicated who he was. Take your Bibles with me and turn to John chapter 11. We'll begin to read this passage where John left off at, ver- or pardon me, where Ron left off at verse 28. We will be reading from verses 29 through 44. When Mary heard this, she got up quickly and went to him. Now Jesus had not yet entered the village, but he was still at the place where Martha had met him. When the Jews had been with Mary in the house comforting her, notice how quickly she got up and went. They followed her, supposing that she was going to the tomb to mourn there. When Mary reached the place where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet. Lord, If you had been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her weeping, and the Jews who had come along with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in the spirit and troubled. Where have you laid him? he asked. Come and see, Lord, they replied. And the next verse says this, Jesus wept. Then the Jews said, See how he loved them. But some of them said, Could he not, who opened the eyes of the blind, have kept him from dying? Jesus, once more deeply moved, came to the tomb. It was the cave, it was a cave, with a stone laid across the entrance. Take away the stone, he said. But Lord, said Martha, the sister of the dead man, by this time there is a bad odor, for he has been there for four days. Then Jesus said, Did I not tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of the Lord? So they took away the stone. Then Jesus looked up and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I said this for the benefit of the people standing here, that they may believe that you sent me. When He had said this, Jesus called in a loud voice, Lazarus! 
come out. And the dead man came out, his hands and his feet wrapped with strips of linen and a cloth around his face. And Jesus said to them, take off the grave clothes and let him go. What a story of the miracles that Jesus has done. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, as we pause before you, we realize more than ever that you are the resurrection and the life. And you call the dead forth and they come. Because you can raise people from the dead. Not only can you raise the people physically, but spiritually also. And that those who are dead towards you, that you can um, uh, bring them alive through your faith into them. I pray, Father, that once more, that as we look at your promises and see who you claim to be, that we would embrace you even more as we walk with you and you lead and guide us. We pray now that as we go into the rest of the message, that you would speak to our hearts, you'd open it to uh, the words to our heart so that we could walk closer to you and be obedient to your word. For this we pray in Christ's name. Amen. I've entitled this message, Jesus Proves He is the Resurrection and the Life. Jesus proves he is the resurrection and life, number one, by not doing what others assume and by waiting on his Father for timing. By not doing what others assume and by waiting on his Father's timing. Found in verses 1 through 16. Jesus had a very close relationship with Martha and Mary and Lazarus. They were friends, and they were close to him. We can learn a lot about their family relationships earlier when Jesus had gone to their home, in, uh, found in Luke's Gospel, chapter 10, verses 38 through 42. And we can remember what took place there. Martha was running around making preparations for the Lord while Mary sat at Jesus' feet listening to every word that the Master said that day. So here are four observations that we can gather from this story and other references that are being made in the scripture about this family. First, there were three siblings living together. Chances are they were not married, And they were young adults because none of their spouses are mentioned here. Second, Martha was the oldest because she is being mentioned first in this story and other gospels references. Mary is next in line, and then there is Lazarus, who is the youngest, but not much is mentioned about him. Third, Martha is the host and the organizer of the home because she's always busy making sure that the house is clean, making sure that the meals are prepared. Fourth, these three siblings are probably in their early 20s because Martha wants Jesus to rebuke her sister when she doesn't come and help and serve along with her. Young adults tend to do that, and Jesus in turn gently rebukes Martha for not taking time to visit. I wonder if Jesus were here today, would he rebuke you and me because we did not spend enough time with him or with others? Are we too busy doing the things that are good, but not the things that are the best? 
Nonetheless, Jesus had a warm, close relationship with these threes. And even though Jesus had a hectic schedule, he took time to visit this family on several occasions. This also tells us something significant about Jesus. You see, a person didn't have to be one of his disciples being trained for leadership to have a close relationship with Jesus. So this is the backdrop to the story that is unfolding for us this morning. And in John chapter 11, Lazarus is sick and so the sisters send for Jesus saying, Lord, the one you love is sick. This one statement alone tells us a great deal. First, that this family had such a close relationship with Christ that they could ask him on a personal basis to come. They knew that Jesus loved them and loved their brother. Second, they assumed because of their close relationship that Jesus would go immediately and heal him. Jesus had proved to them already that he could heal the sick. So why wouldn't he come when they asked him? Isn't this a little like you and me many times? We assume certain things about God working in our lives that when God doesn't answer our prayer according to the way that we're thinking, we become discouraged. Do you think that these sisters were disappointed with Jesus not coming? Yes, you bet they were. They were heartbroken because Lazarus ended up dying. Have you become discouraged recently because God hasn't been answering your prayer like the way that you think he should? Notice this urgent circumstance. In this urgent circumstance, Jesus stayed an extra two days. This didn't make sense to them, but Jesus had other plans. Isaiah 55 verses 8 and 9 tells us this about God. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither your ways my ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. So what was the reason why Jesus didn't come right away? Well, Jesus unfails part of the mystery when he tells the disciples that Lazarus is already dead. In verse 14, Jesus Jesus stayed behind so that he could not bring immediate healing. And this was for the disciples so that they would believe. Now that Jesus had declared the healing request, or, or pardon me, delayed the healing request, this brings us to the second stage. That Jesus proves that he is the resurrection and life, number two, by comforting and mourning with Martha and Mary, verses 17 through 37. By comforting and mourning with Martha and Mary, verses 17 through 37. When Jesus arrives at Bethany, he found that Lazarus had been already dead for four days. Verse 6 tells us that when Jesus first heard the news that Lazarus was sick. He stayed another two days away from there. 
So how could Lazarus have been dead for four days already when Jesus arrived at Bethany? The answer is that wherever Jesus was located, he was a day's journey away from Bethany. And Lazarus must have died as the messengers were on their way to tell Jesus that he was sick. Then Jesus stayed another two days before he left. And on the one day journey, and it was one day journey back when he left. Once again, Martha was the one who took charge and went out to meet Jesus while Mary stayed at home. And although Martha knew that Jesus could have and would have healed Lazarus, she still expressed her tremendous faith in Jesus. She believed that God would heal him and give him anything that he asked for. When Martha said this, she was not thinking that Jesus would bring Lazarus back from the dead at this time. When Jesus told Martha that her brother would rise again, she believed that he would, only though in the future. Martha never lost her faith amidst the crisis. Let me ask you a question. Amid crisis, have you ever lost your faith in God? Or did it remain firm as Martha's did? Jesus then says this, I am the resurrection and the life. This is the fifth time that Jesus makes made this emphatic and authoritative statement. He went on and said to Martha, He who believes in me will live even though he dies, and whoever lives and believes in me will never die. And then he asks the question, Do you believe this? Martha confessions state that Jesus is the Christ, the Messiah, the Son of God. And the one who is sent into the world. So Martha believed that Jesus was God's son who came to do God's work. Martha immediately went and told Mary that Jesus was asking for her. As Mary was going, she met Jesus. And what does she do? She fell at his feet. It seems that whenever we read about Mary, that she is always at the feet of Jesus. In their home, Mary is at the feet of Jesus listening. On another occasion, when a party was being given for Jesus, Mary was at the feet of Jesus, pouring perfume on them and wiping her feet with her hair. This demonstrates the deep love and devotion and respect that Mary had for Christ. Here is another question for you and me again. How much time do you and I spend spend at the feet of Jesus, soaking up everything he says? And Mary was known for this. Are you in his word constantly getting everything that you need spiritually? This is why Mary didn't lose her faith in the crisis. This is why Mary didn't lose her faith in this crisis. When Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who came along with her to with Mary to mourn, it says that Jesus was deeply moved in his spirit. J.F. Walford and R.B. Zuck state this in their book. Deeply 
moved may either be translated groaned or more likely angered. In the Greek, the word enembrso seems to connotate anger and sternness. This Greek verb is used only five times in the New Testament and each time of the Lord's words or feeling, close quote. This seems to indicate that Jesus was angry with death, angry with Satan, and the way that he had deceived Adam and Eve into sin. Who would have thought that just eating back in the garden, just eating a piece of fruit when they were told not to, could have plunged all humanity into death and separation from God? That's what the power of just one little act of disobedience can do. It's like lighting a match in the forest, and the whole forest going aflame. So when Jesus wept with Mary, from this we learn that Jesus identifies with us when our hearts are in pain. He feels our sufferings, and when we hurt, he also hurt. Finally, Jesus proves that he is the resurrection and life, number three, by raising Lazarus from the dead. Jesus proves he is the resurrection and the life by raising Lazarus from the dead. Once again, the scripture states that Jesus became deeply moved when he went out to the tomb. The tomb was a cave that had been cut out on the side of the hill of limestone. And there Jesus gave the command to have a stone that was closing the entrance entrance removed. And Martha knew that if this happened, that there would be a horrifying smell because Lazarus had been already dead for four days. However, despite this, Martha's faith remained in Christ and Jesus gave orders to have the stone removed. After Jesus had prayed to his father, he cried out in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out! And he did. And I'm sure when Jesus shouted, everyone heard. And Lazarus came forth, bound in strips of cloths. The prayer that Jesus offered before he raised Lazarus is to help the people believe that God had sent him. And then verse 45 tells us, Therefore, many of the Jews who had come to visit Mary had seen what Jesus did, and they put their faith in him. The raising of Lazarus from the grave was another proof that Jesus is the resurrection and the life. He could perform this mighty wonder because he is the Son of God. He is the great I am. Here are three things that we can learn from this passage of scripture that we and that we can begin to apply to our lives already this morning. First, Mary, Martha and Mary and Lazarus were close friends of Jesus. Yet when Jesus came to their house, Martha had made herself busy with preparation instead of spending time with Jesus. Just think about this for a moment. If spending time with Jesus is the most important, what are you going to do this week so you can spend more time reading his word and praying more to spend time 
with Jesus. Second, Mary and Martha needed the Lord desperately because Lazarus was sick to the point of death. They assumed that if Jesus really loved them, he would come right away and hear Lazarus before he passed away. However, Jesus had other plans to prove that he was the resurrection and the life. Are you willing to wait for God when you bring your prayer request before him? Especially to wait for his answer in his timing? Many times we expect God to do things our way, but if we wait upon his timing, he will answer and we will be blessed. Finally, Mary is found at the feet of Jesus when she meets him and when listening to him in her home and worshiping him by anointing his feet with an expensive oil that she purchased with her own money. How much time do you and I spend at Jesus' feet, soaking up everything he says? Are you in his word constantly getting everything you need spiritually? This is why Mary didn't lose her faith in the midst of the Christus. When you and I do the same by spending time with Jesus, we will not lose our faith in a time of crisis. My prayer for you is that you would make Jesus number one in your life and that you would understand him and come to know him, that he really is the resurrection and the life. He is God in the flesh and the one he claimed to be. Praise my-
As we close the service, Heavenly Father, we want to thank you that you sent Jesus into the world. We want to thank you that he is the resurrection and life. And we can put our full faith in him. And thank you, Lord, that you walk with us each and every day. And through our trials and our struggles, as we spend time with you, we will grow strong in our faith. And in the midst of a crisis, We will stand strong because you give us that ability to do it as we spend time with you. I'll close with this benediction found in Jude verses 24 and 25. It says this, To him who is able to keep you from falling and to present you before his glorious presence without fault and with with great joy to the only God our Savior to be glory, majesty, power, and authority through Jesus Christ our Lord before all ages now and forever. Amen.